For whatever reason, this story from the Gospel of Luke lives in my mind as a sort of scene from a movie. I can see very vividly all of the people that Luke is talking about. Because I feel like I've met them and I know them in my life. So let me describe to you what this scene looks like to me. Martha and Mary live in a small town somewhere in the rural United States. And Martha is one of those fine, upstanding people who kind of keeps the whole community running. She lives in a small but extremely tidy house with a beautiful yard with some flowers. She volunteers. All of her neighbors know her. She's the first one to offer to help when someone needs it. She's the one who convenes family gatherings on holidays and sends birthday cards and makes sure they're on time. She's a calendar with everyone's birthday in it, in her family, and she never forgets. Mary is kind of a different person. She is Martha's sister, and she lives in another part of town. It's very seldom that you're offered an invitation over to her house. You're not quite sure what she does for work, but she's always around, and she's there for a fun time, for sure. She's probably the person that you go to when you want to invite someone to a party to make sure that there's someone fun there who's going to bring the life to the place. Well, on this particular day, Martha hears that Jesus is going to come over to the town where they live. The night before, she stays up late, making sure that the house is absolutely spick and span. She goes to the grocery store and makes sure that she has enough food for the visit, certainly more than enough food. She gets up early that morning, says her prayers, and cooks all morning long. About a half hour before Jesus is supposed to arrive, Mary saunters over. She brings a pre-prepared salad that she bought at Wegmans on her way to Martha's house. She's one of those people that asks Martha if there's anything she can do to help, but it's already too late to actually help in a substantial way, and Martha finds that kind of annoying. Mary goes into the kitchen, opens the refrigerator herself without asking if she can, finds some iced tea and pours it into a glass with some ice. And she goes out to the front porch while Martha is still preparing the meal, sits down on a chair and lights a cigarette and just looks at people walking by. Martha is totally annoyed at her sister. Here she is, trying to prepare for the arrival of this extremely important person, Jesus. He is coming into her very house, and her sister refuses even to lift a finger. And if that weren't bad enough, when Jesus arrives at the house, it is not Martha who's the first one to see him, but rather, it's Mary because she's been outside, sitting with her feet up on the porch. As soon as Jesus arrives, he starts talking to Mary, because Martha's inside, busy with all the chores. And when Martha finally does make it outside, she sees Mary and Jesus engaged in a deep and beautiful conversation. And it's at that moment that Jesus turns to Martha and says what is perhaps the most heartbreaking thing that our Lord could say to such an upstanding citizen. Martha, Martha, 
you are worried and distracted by many things. There is need of only one thing. Mary has chosen the better part, which will not be taken away from her. Can you imagine how infuriating that would be to Martha? I think you can. Because in my experience, most church people are more likely to be Martha's than they are to be Mary's. Most of us are those people who keep the world going round. We are the ones who make sure that the kids are dropped off at school. We are the ones who make sure that the pledges are paid to the church. We pay our bills on time as best we can. We are the responsible people in the world. But among us, there are, of course, also the Marys of the world. And sometimes we can feel ourselves a little bit resentful of the people whom Jesus is pointing out as the people that we should be more like. Well, maybe I'm just projecting myself a little bit here. I oftentimes feel like the Martha, both in my own home and here at church. Oftentimes people say, oh, it must be so wonderful to be a priest. You're devoting yourself to God. And they probably imagine that my life is just one of endless prayer and meditation. But in fact, it's quite the opposite. There are never, there is never enough time to complete all of the little tasks that have to be done around a church. And that's to say nothing of my own life. More often than not, I feel like Martha way more than I feel like Mary. And sometimes, sometimes, maybe when I'm not in the best state of mind, I get a little bit resentful of folks who unlike Martha, are able to just walk up and sit at Jesus' feet and enjoy the better part for themselves. But the fact of the matter is that Jesus does not tell this story to berate those of us who are the Marthas of the world. Rather, he is trying to give us a gift. Jesus is not saying that doing those good things in the world isn't a good thing at all. Rather, he is inviting us to a life that balances those two things, inviting us to find a way to reconcile the Mary and the Martha within ourselves. Jesus is inviting us to a life both of action and of reflection. Finding that balance between action and reflection is an incredibly difficult and lifelong spiritual task. There are moments when we might be able to get it right. But for the most part, one of those two things is probably taking over our lives. That's why Jesus is calling us to be mindful, to try to structure our lives as best we can such that we are able to reflect on our actions in the world in a deeply profound and spiritual way. Jesus knows that Martha is a good person. Jesus just wants her to understand that herself. Jesus wants Martha to give herself the gift of sitting at his feet from time to time when he happens to arrive at her house. People often feel that Christianity doesn't have within its own tradition practices for reflection like this. And oftentimes we think that it's Eastern traditions that offer more in the way of meditation and reflection. 
But in fact, all spiritual traditions throughout the world have thriving reflective and meditative traditions. I think especially of St. Ignatius of Loyola. You might have heard of him. He was the person who wrote the spiritual exercises in Spain in the year 1548. He was also the founder of the Society of Jesus, otherwise known as Jesuits. Jesuits have it at their core in their way of being to balance action and reflection. Jesuits have this saying that the monk's home is on the road. They are both moving and staying still at the same time because they are able to act in the world and then reflect on it in a deep and profound way. Ignatius of Loyola said this. He said, if God is at work within us, then we will either be like a sponge or a slate. What he means by this is that our actions in the world are a given. But it is our choice either to be like a sponge and take in all of that spiritual goodness that we experience in the world, or to be like a slate, non-reflective, not thinking about what's happening in the world, in which case all of that goodness will simply run down like the roof of this church. It is up to us whether we choose to be a sponge or a slate. The model that Ignatius offered is one called action-reflection. Action-reflection, or sometimes called reflection-action, is a way to synthesize the ways that we are in the world. We can both be Martha, acting in the world, and Mary, reflecting on the things that we do. And by taking up an intentional and daily practice of reflecting on our actions, then we come to see the two as basically the same thing. Our action in the world becomes our meditation. Our meditation becomes an act of peace and goodwill in the world. In this way, we are like sponges, soaking up the richness of the experience of this life. Well, for those of us who live in the 21st century, who have busy lives, there's a big question to this. How do you actually live a life of action and reflection? Most of us have an overwhelming list of tasks to do in the world, and it seems like there are not enough hours in the day. There are also those of us who may have entered a different phase of life where there doesn't seem like there is enough to do. But even just being still and doing nothing is not the same thing as deep reflection. We can be still and be tuned out, the same way that we can be active and be tuned in. According to Ignatius and all of the spiritual masters in the history of our own tradition, it's important for us to be intentional about making time, even if that's just a little bit of time. Martin Luther King came out with 10 commandments for action in the world, for social action. He required that anyone who joined one of his social movements understand these commandments and pin them up in a prominent place so they could see them all the time. And do you know what Martin Luther King's first commandment was? 
of doing social justice work in the world. The first commandment was this. Meditate daily on the teachings and life of Jesus Christ. Meditate daily on the teachings and life of Jesus Christ. This is just as important if you are going out to demonstrate for justice in the world, as if you are going to work, as if you will be at home relaxing. Meditate daily on the teachings and life of Jesus. Do these things, and action and reflection will come to seem the same to you in your life. There's a simple Ignatian exercise that I invite you to consider maybe doing. Ignatius told spiritual novices to do a simple thing at the end of the day, but you can also do it at the beginning. You simply make some time, and you sit down, and you ask yourself this question. Where has God been with me today? Where has God been with me today? Try it out. Sit here, think for a second. You've already been awake for a couple hours at least. Where has God been with you today? Was God with you in your waking? Was God with you when you were brushing your teeth or making breakfast? Was God with you in something that you looked at on your phone or a text message that you received? Was God with you when you looked at a flower or a tree or heard a bird singing? Or when you saw the angle of the light? Or when you saw a building from a slightly different perspective from what you'd never seen it before? Was God with you this morning when you sat down on the subway or the bus? Was God with you when you walked through the doors of this church? Is God with you right now? Ignatius invites us to be sponges. When we ask ourselves when God is with us, when we make some time to do that reflection, then we are able to soak in all the goodness and the richness of this life that God has given to us. And all of a sudden, life seems so much bigger, so much greater, so much more joyful than if we wouldn't have just taken a moment to examine all the ways and the times that God is with us. My friends, summer is the perfect time to do some action and reflection. We probably spend a little bit more time like Mary in the summer, enjoying the beauty of the season, spending time with friends, maybe leaving town for a little bit or just taking some time to go for a walk in the park or somewhere else. So I invite you, I invite you in the next week and over the course of this season to experiment, to try to reflect on the things that you are doing, to ask yourself intentionally where God is with you. And then to come to see action and reflection as simply two sides of the same coin, two ways in which you can enjoy God's presence and enjoy your own life in the world. We can be both like Mary and like Martha. We can sit at Jesus' feet and do our work in the world. And when we do, then we, like both Mary and Martha, 
can truly see Jesus. Amen.